Yeah, yeah. It's funny too. Cody Walker's book threw me for a loop because he does he he has his write ups or whatever in a different order. So I started reading the write up of seven hundred seven or one in seven. Yeah. Yeah, it started me a lot. I was like, wait a minute, I where are these issues? I'm flipping yeah. through the omnibus. Where the hell are they? Oh, okay. <laughs> did you just refer to him as Dr. Cody Walker? I don't think so. Okay. Did I, did I Justin? <laughs> I, I don't know. Okay. It feels like a difference between you and I would be you would actually refer to him as Dr. Cody Walker. And I <laughs> now I'm excited to edit it and see if you've been calling him Dr. Cody Walker. <laughs> God, I don't think so. He doesn't. That say guy doesn't that. need any extra feathers in his cap. Oh, yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm sure so he. Hard. I'm sure if he had a doctorate, it would definitely be all over the book. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. episode 38 return of bruce wayne number one time fear the travel the batman the man of bats man young man stinky caves boy (laughs) um boy yeah we're we're just we're chasing and we're chasing an interesting energy here in today uh (laughs) sort of like being propelled propelled uh forward by the hyper adapter itself um oh god i just did a thing to justin's eyes i'm jeff <laughs> oh i hurt my neck with that I... oh god <laughs> that was justin who hurt his neck yeah and that was roman who sounded like a pile of sex oh <laughs> a pile of something yeah roman's cave doesn't smell like death roman's cave smells like <laughs> sex we're here to talk about return of bruce wayne number one by grant morrison and chris sprouse this is a different series, a different length, a different size, and takes place in a different time than Batman and Robin number 10, which we read and talked about on Monday. Here we are, boys. How do we think about this? Does anyone remember how they felt about Return of Bruce Wayne in the before times? This is my only, this is my first reread of this series. It's my first reread of it, too. I remember liking it, you know, back in the day of the monthly issues. I had more confusion then, of course. Yeah, I was kind of in that very primitive way like this is confusing me like this is beyond me well then it must be dumb yeah we know like this book competitive uh, <laughs> like, yeah. this book's <laughs> trying to usurp my position as the alpha male of the right. of the femboys <laughs> right um i i remember caveman shit though so i don't know why yeah i do too and i like time travel shit i think that my feeling the first time was that I had a lot of hope around the answers and clarity that it would bring. And in a classic Morrison fashion, that is not what it brought me. So it was a good instance of like, this isn't what I want, but I think it's probably what I need. I guess I'll just trust that bald dude. And yeah. so, so now I'm, I'm approaching it from the standpoint of like, it's going to make a lot of sense. It's going to have the answers. The hyper sense. And... I don't know that out of this first issue, I was like, sweet, I get it now. I mean, not that I, not that there's a lot here to not fully understand, but I can't help but wonder. Who wrote the Book of Love? Who wrote the Book of Love? Batman 701 and 702. 
Where do those take place in this omnibus? Are they the final things in it? They're, they're after. They're after all the uh, Return of Bruce Wayne issues. Okay. Yeah, they're they're like the thing that slows us down to the finale of Batman and Robin. And I wonder how much of this book and Return of Bruce Wayne would have been helped by those happening beforehand. I think that they in my personal opinion, place those in the wrong spot. I agree. I think that they should have been placed like after Batman and Robin 9, yeah. maybe like right after Batman 700 or something. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's kind of how I feel too cuz they cuz they cuz they they recap. They explain all this like what the hyper adapter is and how, you know, all that that you're wondering during this first couple, well, during the first few issues of Return of Bruce Wayne. Yeah. They do a lot of connective tissue work that um you know i don't have right now because i haven't read them yet and i mean like me neither i wonder i, I wonder stumbled if... upon being more confused than i even initially was <laughs> yeah <laughs> what if i found my, my my larger brain and increase in life experience means i'm actually getting less out of this now none of that to say negative about this issue but no, i want part of me last. yeah part of me is almost tempted to like rearrange time and try and you know, after this issue or the next issue, read Batman 701 and 702, but we've already advertised so much that we're following the omnibus reading order. I wonder if that would be sacrosanct. Oh, I mean, that's what we're doing here. We're being Oh, you're right. We, do, we hang out with somebody who podcasts in a blood room, so. Yeah, yeah. This whole thing is like sexy, sacrosanct bat theology. Yeah, I wonder... Boing! I, I just Sorry. wonder... It, it really, like... 702 ends with him walking out of the cave in Return of Bruce Wayne 1, so I wonder... I'll just be honest with you. I'm just trying to get to those issues to see that, like, super fat PH... with a PH Bruce. The Tony, like, he's jacked in those issues. Yeah, he's, he's like, like, not wearing a shirt, but he's wearing his cowl, and he's, like, 90% torso. Hold yeah. And then there's, like... I just remember he goes to the Hall of Justice at one point, and Superman is, like, equally tanked out yeah they're just i don't know why tony daniel added so much like mass to him but he is just a solid hunk of beef yeah yeah the first page of 702 is the one that i'm thinking of which is roman look at this look at that hulking man that's a hulking man yeah. okay yeah, but we're here to talk about return of bruce wayne number one bat beef <clears throat> bat beef like chris Sprouse's art in this i thought that was pretty cool this issue takes place seemingly seconds after final crisis ends when bruce has awoken in the cave where old man as he's referred to in this is but it's anthro the first boy from the beginning of final crisis and just the first boy in dc continuity is dying and they cave paint a bat symbol on the wall and this mostly just follows the the deer tribe who finds bruce wayne in the cave as they find him and then get sort of ambushed by the blood crew, the blood gang, who Django has to be the leader of. Yeah. But Vandal <laughs> Savage actually is. Although, you guys, do you think there's an argument to be made for the fact that Django is maybe Vandal Savage? Yeah, they have the same, like, gristly thing going on. Yeah. Vandal yeah. Savage has chops in certain uh, drawings. Yeah, for sure. and it would fit, like, Van Vandal Savage's long-term machinations that, that why would he be, like, Co-running a, a, 
comic book store in Nowheresville, Washington, and it's got to fit his huge, huge, far-reaching plans. Yeah, the Vandal I've never Savage seen plans. two men eat more shrimp than those two. Vandal, Vandal Savage and Jango Boren. Yeah, just shrimping it up all the time. The Vandal Savage blood blood mob shows up, uh, kills a bunch of the deer tribe, kidnaps Bruce, who doesn't really remember what's going on or who he is, and then in classic Batman fashion, he somehow recruits a boy. The boy saves him. <laughs> they take down oh, Vandal Savage, and uh, Bruce disappears into a pool of water as an eclipse happens, and then we are... Uh, greeted by Superman, Booster Gold, Green Lantern, and Rip Hunter as they arrive in this time tracking his gamma, his radion, his omega radiation, that's what it is. And, I like it all. Yeah, I like it all. I like it all. Do you folks, and then we have him waking up in a, you know, next to a pool with a giant, almost Lovecraftian, tentacled aqua monster going at him. The crackhead phrases worth discussing omega time travel yes hyper adapter the best the best and Just what thing hyper adapter is like <laughs> better than any christmas present i've ever gotten yes and the yeah. all over and oh yeah oh, and the, and the, and the shiny, shiny people the shining ones of course yeah the oh, shining love that that's once. my favorite part. Okay, okay, well then, fuck it. Let's get into it. Sounds like we got a fair amount of enthusiasm about this. Let's oh, go. I'm spoinging under here, just trying to hide it. Okay, 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 okay. <laughs> so the first page opens up with you know our super Aryan big giant man, and <laughs> love him, and several of these other deer tribe who become the bat tribe. It seems like as this happened, which Doctor Corey Walker specifies sort of a shout out to Arkham Asylum. Grant Morrison's first, or well, I guess second Batman story, where I can't remember if it's the first or second now, my mind just blanked, but uh, where Batman has a flashback to watching Bambi when he's a child and he starts crying, and his dad says something to the effect of, like, don't cry. And that was like him sort of going from this childhood to adult like phase. And it's like this death of the deer. And don't cry. Yeah. And then becoming the, the bat. Deer. Yeah, and this is sort of a similar way of the deer tribe who then goes through this horrible thing and kind of, we're led to believe, becomes the bat tribe, which is maybe an intentional Morrison, you know, duplicate of a metaphor, or maybe Cody Walker just being like, hey, I've read older Grant Morrison stuff. Uh, I can make connections. <laughs> yeah, yeah I, I couldn't decide if uh, I like Cody it. Walker's also saying the members of the deer tribe are archetypes you know there's the one is even called surly is his name and the their leader the great big one is is i forget his name giant giant the giant yeah basically um and then joker which yeah i mean i think they are like answers. yeah i thought it was kind of silly one of them's called joker because like well i know we got a suspension of disbelief but how do these guys know like the word joker in their language and what does that mean to them and yeah <laughs> I, th I thought with their speech patterns, won't they just call him like crazy head or something? Yeah, <laughs> laugh man. Why yeah. Joker? Yeah, yeah they're laugh definitely, man. They're definitely um, communicating in some stark-ass English, and I didn't even get an asterisk editor note that says translated from Cro-Magnon, you know? Like, yeah. This right, was during the time when those little asterisks, little tiny boxes that say, say see, Batman, blah, blah, that wasn't popular during this time. Yeah. For about Sometimes 10 years, though, they did so. I agree. Like, this, yeah. uh, 
Grant Morrison plays with his own language and vernacular a lot. And I've seen caveman done on scales of good and bad. Yeah. You know, different degrees. I don't know if this is Grant Morrison's best language work. You know, I, it, it doesn't seem as internally consistent as his other stuff does. And it doesn't seem, it seems, gosh, kind of like taking the easy way out, which I'm not opposed to because I don't know that I would have loved having to fight through translating all of these words the whole time, but it is yeah, right. a little bit surface level, like, all right, well, let's just make it English. Right. And, you know, I, I agree with you. I don't know that it's his best in vernacular writing, but I, you know, I don't it know. It might what be I a service learned. to us, though. Yeah. yeah. This is a can we're about to embark on a very confusing non-Batman Batman story. You know, we're get we're getting hyper, hyper weird in the, within the context of a really weird run. We're getting all kinds of funky shit. Um, yeah. So maybe it was like, okay, let's just like <laughs> take it easy and just give them the easy way out for, let's at least have them understand that these people are communicating and what they need to say. Cause we're, we're getting rocket ships and justice league archetypes and, things in the past and the future and every issue is going to be a different time and yeah, yeah I, I agree it was a nice kind of simplifying things for the sake of the story because yeah if, the, if this had been like alan moore and crossed and you have to like really study it and figure yeah. out what they're saying that's cool but it would have it would have made, made this a lot yeah it would have derailed this whole series for me he loves doing the thing where like you have to sound like the word written isn't what it says it's the sounding out loud of the word that mm -hmm. is like what it says and i'm so glad i didn't have to do that all the way through this issue because i think this issues does some cool plot stuff but it's really fun and fluid yeah and like going like oh ooh, oh oh be tough would <laughs> get tiring yeah. i really dug I mean, I wouldn't have gotten it the first time reading this, but at the end of Final Crisis, at the death of that reality, all of reality has sort of condensed into a singularity where only the Daily Planet exists. And, you know, Jimmy Olsen and them are continuing the Daily Planet, sending this newspaper out, and Superman and them develop a time capsule that they shoot to the birth of the new world. And that's New Earth, which is where all modern DC continuity has happened. So this rocket that these people are finding at the beginning is the time capsule that was sent at the end of the previous existence here to the beginning of this new existence, which uh, is interesting. I was totally lost on that back in the day. Like, For sure. Even like, it was only like a year ago when we really did that Final Crisis reread that I really got kind of what is happening at the end of Final Crisis and the sort of restarting of a universe and the time capsule and cloning all of the genetic seed and repopulating and, and all that. So, yeah, I, I couldn't have understood it when I first read this book. Right. Yeah, I think originally I thought, like when I started um, New Genesis. Return of Bruce Wayne, I thought that, wait, Batman came here in that rocket ship <laughs> yeah and that's what i kind of thought as well and it, it it makes sense though because as they're looking at these footprints they are referring to them like are these the shining ones which is a reference to at the beginning of final crisis when metron shows up and gives anthro the knowledge to make fire but they did say you know at the return of the shining ones it begins the all over and that is what happened in Final Crisis, like the new gods return and then reality ends. So it's this weird cyclical, like 
there's some cool meta stuff going on here about just sort of DC universe creationism that I really appreciate now. But if you're reading this about, hey, just give me the story about how Bruce Wayne came back, I think it's going to be like, you know, kind of fuck you. Django is, he was like, I need to talk to you guys about Return of Bruce Wayne number one. He's like, I think that that tied into Final Crisis. I'm like, yeah, I think it's very sequel like, yeah I think this is a, a direct sequel to final crisis yeah. yeah it's it's definitely you know pieces of this big long story so yeah it's yeah i but i you know didn't understand final crisis enough last time bruce comes out of this cave bunch of bats flying around him love it shirtless pretty good shirtless it's no tony daniels no. hulking man <laughs> shirtless but it's it's no. pretty good he hasn't had that like diet of like you know pure coagulated beef protein that he has on the tony daniel issues here he's like starved and has to like eat bats and whatnot but he he's about to like get john that Hamm. though yeah he does look like john ham he's handsome the best looking caveman i've ever seen yeah i like those dark bat undies he's got on <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> yeah Let this be undies I, I like that the I, I don't again I don't understand necessarily the presence of like I the the cavemen are different archetypes like we talked about the presence of the Joker one being a part of our in group is a little bit weird right like why are they hanging out with this Joker guy who laughs and then makes Bruce growl I like that sort of like conditioned response that he has because his memory is gone but right. why are they hanging out with the Joker guy. I don't know if there's a big why. This is just like the proto DNA of all the DC universe. Like, yeah. just like these are the this is the primordial soup that breeds the DC universe. So of course there's going to be some kind of chaotic figure in there, and like it just goes to show that even when Bruce is totally wiped clean, he hates chaotic figures. He's just like, oh, <laughs> yeah, that thing, that thing bad. So uh, yeah. how, how do we feel about the nomenclature of old man, man, and boy, and boy working to become young man? You know, I guess it's easy, right? Yeah, yeah I, I kind of like that. It is very, it is very uh, nice and simple and straightforward. <laughs> yeah. And I like that as they, as man goes in to find dead old man, Anthro, who's got the like circuit to protect against the anti-love equation painted on his face. He's clutching, you know, a stone necklace and he was, you know, they say old man, he had a smile and this, this was in his hand. It was white fawns and he was holding it where his heart is, you know, like maybe kind of clumsy, but I at least appreciated that it was like, seemed to be an attempt to have a a different cultural understanding of significance, right? Like they were, you know, the understanding of like holding it over his heart to imply significance or something is different than just saying like, oh, he always used to talk about mom and the necklace, right? Like it's a different way of communicating significance. And I liked that. Yeah, I, I thought it was kind of cool. Like these ring of pearls are, are more than just like Bruce's mom's, like it kind of has a rosary vibe to it too. Yeah. Like it's just this series of ring of pearls and the connection of right. ancestry in a way and stuff. Yeah, and so. it, yeah, I totally just space mentioning, yeah, the tie to like Bruce's mom's pearls, which is very cool because it is, like you just said, significant, uh, significantly visually similar. Yeah, and it's also got like a DNA vibe thing going on and we're dealing with all that kind of descendants and ancestors there. So I think it's a cool visual metaphor that like works within Batman, but also can be something deeper. I was like, I'm glad that that's part of a the story here is seeing that thing because it, 
it ties some knots without really drawing too much attention to it. It's interesting, like, you know, we have identified enjoying the fun, rompy nature of this. It's 36 pages, and it's, you know, like, there's just sort of a lot of kind of open pages with not a ton of text where there's, like, visual storytelling go on, you know, like the blood mob attacking the deer group, them, you know, attacking Bruce, kidnapping him, all of that, like, Vandal Savage showing up. While there is text, it's, you know, like the beats of this story are pretty simple, right? Like dude comes out of a cave, finds a crew, yeah. a competing crew takes him down and then the remaining members save him. And what I think is interesting is the scene where as he's passed out and tied up, he has this vision that the bat, like the giant bat that the group had just killed, like kind of comes back and haunts him. What do you think is the giant bat that is like skewered out here? Like they, what 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 is your read on what that is? It's night terror superstitions omen creature black terrible bat disguise man bat man of bats. It's super all of those things, but like the, there's like a you know essentially a cowl that's been skewered hanging here. Do we think that it's just like in the caveman times there were giant bats like that? Is that the bat devil that they had talked about having raised, or it kind of implied in my first read that that had happened after this, unless the caveman had dealt with it. Cody Walker refers to the giant bat as the hyper adapter, which changes form as it moves through time, hunting Batman. Yeah. Um, but it would be kind of interesting, or at least not my first in, assumption that it would take the form of a bat, which is sort of the inspiration figure of Batman. What, what, what was your read on what that is? All the above. You think all of the above? I think. <laughs> yeah. I agree. I, uh, my read of it was that it's, it's the, uh, it is the perfect idea of Batman. It's that extraterrestrial being that in every time is different. It's the hyper adapt adapter that creates Batman. Like it's the same bat that flew through the window. It's in that recursive, like the past creates the future and the future creates the past. Like mm -hmm. and they talk about the shining ones as these beings that come from the sky and give you knowledge. Uh, the new gods came down and gave them fire and that's what created civilization. Um, it's very much like the, the Prometheus myth, you know, mm -hmm. and then it's also the, the myth of the fallen angels is very directly the Prometheus myth, like angels choosing to try to cultivate civilization and man was the biggest sin of the angels. So they, they went to earth and couldn't go back. And this thing is very aerial. It's got big wings. So I saw it as like, this is the idea of kind of an idea coming to earth and what that does. And this is the thing in that past that creates batman in the future and those bastards like, killed it though what do you think they were thinking when that enormous bat showed up and how did they kill it yeah, yeah you know well they, that's <clears throat> that's the blood tribe well vandal vandal savage um they knew it was a threat angel. to his power so he's gonna take it down right the blood tribe like that's all they know is violence and evil and what he wants to do to uh batman is the same thing he did to the bat they like want to kill it and take its power and it's this yeah, like holy thing you know and so it's a demon or it's an angel it's it's something not from this world that comes down hmm. um, in the way that like aerial beasts you know birds used to be thought of as angels because they go up into the sky and they come down they're messengers um so i read it as like you know vandal savage killed it to get its power and now it wants its son which is this man of bats like he's just 
doesn't he talk about eating Bruce's brain? He does. Yeah, I'm just he, he I was does. confused. Yeah. Cody Walker refers to the bat as the hyperadapter, and the hyperadapter is the big villain of this story, which is the thing that Darkseid releases from his mother box. And it changes form as it's chasing Bruce. So I was just trying to think of like how the hyperadapter would have been there and killed before Bruce got there. If it's a thing that's hunting him. But also, I don't know if I fully agree that that bat is the first appearance of the hyperadapter, which is, again, the villain, because I guess I it, yeah, it doesn't feel overtly I, ominous. Yeah, I don't think it's a the first appearance, because it wasn't that mentioned in Final Crisis. Not right, but the first time in the story that we see the I don't I don't know if I think it's the hyper adapter. I think yeah, I don't I don't think so either. Which is okay. Hyper adapter. Okay. Yeah, I'm not sure if it is or not. It it's it's a it's a totemic thought form. And that's what I was thinking because it sort of shows to Bruce and again night terror, superstitious omen. That's sort of like a hodgepodge of all the words of the like I will become a bat and you know like superstitious criminals and cowardly mm -hmm. lot and and all of that so it felt more like like you were saying more of like a positive totemic force than the hyper adapter to me um right. i think it might be the the good guy to the hyper adapter's bad guy like this is the thing that creates eventually the thing that defeats the right the hyper adapter dig it i also love that just the effect that batman has on young boys is that they need to paint their eyes and <laughs> save like him, him. <laughs> like you know it is interesting that throughout this whole story like like justin just said it is the perfectly stripped batman but it um he still has all of the essence of batman uh, he's using gadgets to take down an enemy he recruits a young boy which calls into question all of the batman morality uh but you know he he <laughs> solves a mystery he helps people so it, it's this really interesting yeah Hot reorganization or the, hodgepodge of all of the things that make Batman Batman while stripped of all of the continuity of it. Yeah. So I do want to point out, he didn't recruit this kid. I mean, the, the boy decided him. to do that totally on his own and come yeah. save Batman. Just like Tim Drake. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but now you can live with me in my cave. But that's just the effect <laughs> Batman has on I people. Know. I it's mean, like Django. I want to throw everything away and follow you. <laughs> yeah. As someone who was susceptible to Django's stink, I, I cannot <laughs> say in good good faith that I wouldn't like totally bow down and pray to Batman if I saw him in real life. You know, please take me. Damn it, now I'm just seeing this this totemic bat with Django's cowboy hat on it. Don't don't play his game. We're bigger than his game. I love the reoccurring eclipse that happens throughout all of these issues. Like Batman is taken from the moment that he's in as the eclipse happens. Yeah, I'm excited to get through this more because as the superheroes show up and they say like once he makes it through the to the present, you know, all time, he'll destroy everything. And I'm excited to feel like I get that idea more as I move through this because the why as to like jumping through time, you know, kind of confuses me. Like dark side, why is that the biggest punishment for Batman to be sent back in time and then sort of skipping forward back to the present? Yeah. Does, does, is that dark side's will to have him skip or was it just to send them back into the primordial, like primordial soup and be trapped in this lifetime? It, or is Bruce defying that by jumping through time? I, I don't think that he's defying it. Okay. I think that That's the, the intention of the whole thing. Yeah, and the punishment is that as he gets back, like once he finally gets to current day, it will destroy all of reality. So it's this like divine punishment. Yeah, I guess that it would be 
A, you're reliving every imaginable pain that your you as an idea has ever experienced throughout time, as well as Bruce has to deal with the, the guilt and the pain of destroying the universe, even though he's trying to be this cosmic protector. You know? So I've just, I've looked up Omega Sanction here. Let's get a little quick read on it. Another ability granted by the Omega Effect is the Omega Sanction, the death that is life, also known as the life trap. The Omega Sanction, when inflicted on an individual, individual, traps them in an endless succession of synthetic lives, each one more degrading and hopeless than the last. Yeah, that seems pretty bad. It seems like quite the bummer. Yeah, <laughs> I get why Darkseid would be like, you know, killing you is one thing, but I want you to suffer an endless succession of lives that aren't even real, but the pain is yeah i don't want that to happen sometimes and I forget, when i smoke weed it gets pretty close to that yeah 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 yeah. <laughs> so i don't do it anymore it, it, yeah and the first appearance of it was in forever people number six in 1972 i forget what the word is but he he stores it in like a little box like dark side has a it's not a mother box but it's like a you know is, his it, little, is it a father box that's that's maybe it. <laughs> they do have father boxes in. Oh, do they? In, I think it's yeah, the, the new gods. <laughs> I thought you were just being cute. No, no, it, they aren't used very often, and I forget why, but they do exist <laughs> in in that new gods mythology. <laughs> I love new gods, but it's so fucking weird. It is, man. It's like DC is like we got Kirby. Do whatever you want. <laughs> right. Boxes, boom tubes, eye beams that live in other boxes, but are also in your head. I love. I mean, I, I love that in this issue that he, the whole meta thing of it, not only with Kirby, because of course Kirby was drawing on like Chariots of the Gods by Eric Van Daniken and mm -hmm. those books and the whole idea. And in this one, the cavemen talk about the Shining Ones. The first mythology book I ever had was called uh, The Ancient Shining Ones. And that's Shining how... Ones is a yeah, that, theme. yeah, that's how the gods of myth were referred to and how the new gods, of course, were referred to. And um, angels. And and, and, yeah, and I love all that being worked in into this. Mm, 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 so cool. Man, I wish that I could, like, control F with my eyes on an actual printed book. <laughs> Where's Darkseid? I want to look at the term for his cute little box that holds the Omega Sanction, but I'm not going to find it right now. So I'll it's find the it. the anti-box. Yeah, the anti-box. <laughs> Yeah, it, it, I feel like for some reason, I, as I read it this morning, it had like a cute name to me. But Kirby's stuff is huh. quite cute in a lot of regards. <laughs> it is. I never read that like Vanishing Point Time Hunter miniseries that follows Booster Gold, Green Lantern, Superman, and Rip Hunter in this time sphere as they're trying to hunt Bruce. Did anybody, Roman, was that a thing that you were taking in your bird gob as you were reading these at the comic shop? I Yeah, I, I, <laughs> I know I read it, but... It's yeah, one of those probably. ones that I can't remember anything specific about it. Just that I read it because it was cool and it was time travel. <laughs> yeah, I, I like that they fall over this waterfall. You know, the Robin, Robin boy has like the painted domino mask and he, they both fall into this waterfall and he says like man of bats because he, again, Bruce came out of a cave as bats flew out. So he's man of bats. But he just, I, I liked the visual progression of he comes out of the water, like looks around, he just sits there for a while, and then we get a shot of him gone. Like, in terms of like comic booking, nice work just showing a person's desire to find someone, the passage of time, the sadness that happens with like that being, you know, not following through. Just like good comic booking, Chris Sprouse. And I like yeah. the water, it looks yeah. like a bat. 
Oh yeah, it does actually. It's got oh, wow, like yeah, a it does. cowlies. Yeah, and I like the fact with the coloring. I mean, in the in the bottom panel of that page, I got I got the sense. Oh, it must be night because just because it's darker and everything. And so the kid sat there for you know hours. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. And his tribe is largely gone. So, and I wonder if also like the blood mob, the bloodhound gang, sort of <laughs> spells Vandal Savage out of their crew at the end of this. Has never come back. You made the sun go away, which is great storybook telling because it it feeds into this Vandal Savage hating hero concept. You know, like he might not consciously remember this, but it makes sense that he would not like Batman. But I also wonder if yeah. it's like a joining of the two tribes. I wonder if the Bat tribe is the joining of the remaining Deer tribe and the Bloodhound gang, like, you yeah, know, joining yeah, up to make the yeah, best we, diss track of all time. Yeah, we don't know what happens with the, with the Bloodhound gang. And I think I was just assuming during this story that this is set before... Oh, I bet it is. Oh, Roman did something. You just heard is, it. We heard Roman's brain make a connection. <laughs> this is before Vandal Savage um, encounters the chunk of meteorite that makes him Im- immortal. Oh, so he's not immortal yet? I don't think so. Because, and, oh, and he's the, trying and, to be. And the O, okay. the o that, that I just exclaimed, because I think probably after this is after he's been cast out of the tribe and he's wandering on his own. And I think that's when he like runs into the meteor chunk that makes him into the immortal villain. You guys, I just checked to see if we had any emails and we have an audio message from Will Elmer as well as oh a gosh. message from Chris Murphy about Batman 700. Ooh, um, ooh, 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 ooh. So do we have any finishing thoughts on Return of Bruce Wayne before we move into those? Just in the interest of uh, time, I know we've got some obligations yeah. today, so I want to make sure we leave enough time for everything. My only finishing thought is... And it's a half-baked one. I, I like the idea that the um, the deer tribe becomes the bat tribe just because I like that whole idea of uh, the, the mythological <clears throat> folkloric meanings of, of antlered beings like that, that first shamanistic figure in the cave painting and that French cave system I can't pronounce. Yeah. What's that? Yeah. It's called the sorcerer. Yeah, yeah. So that whole thing about transformation inherent in that picture and antlered people and then the deer tribe transforms into a more effective tribe okay so i need one of the two of you to track down that picture for me for next time i almost got a tattoo of it because i've never seen it and i want to know you'll recognize it yeah when you see it okay um and I, i pardon me i didn't mean to laugh at your own as you're talking about that but unbeknownst to me as you were talking and gesturing with your hands your hand came up with your white glove (laughs) <laughs> you read comics with and it like i forget that that's a thing that you can take seriously however as i was reading my library edition of hellboy volume one a bunch of those pages are printed with black borders in that and then it goes to white borders and i hate that even though it looks great because my finger oils always leave like finger smudges on the pages just yeah. from turning it and i was like i need some murder gloves like roman has for reading comics with black borders yeah and i realized i had to do it when i'm handling this omnibus because the cool glossy black on the actual hardcover. I realized after the first time I used it, the, especially the back, that my my greasy finger smears were all over. So I was like, oh shit, I just got to wear the gloves anytime I touch this thing. Well, it's <laughs> your book. I was not necessarily going to keep the library edition, but as I started getting my thumbprints on, I was like, well, I guess this is my book now. Like I'm, this is, I'm not going to sell this book to somebody and let them be like, whose fingers are all over the fucking book? Um, Justin, did you have any more thoughts on this one? Of which no. there are like many thoughts that we could explore, but I think that this one 
please. I just yeah. decided to steal your answer. Sorry. Oh, no, no. I was going to say, no, I think we covered all the things that I was raunched up about. I, it is like a kind of, I think this one is the most directly kind of palatable. Like even if you strip Batman of all of the modern trappings, he still manages to affect people and be Batman, whether he means to or not. And I think that's kind of in this first issue, kind of the, the thesis statement within it. I don't remember what happens with the rest of them, but I do know we're headed to some, what's that era called with the, the spooky witch hunting and the um, not Amish pagan, Please, someone, I'm about to make right, a fool of myself. Right, right, the American, the, 17, huge, the 1700s in America. Yeah. Huge, huge, huge time jump. Puritan, Puritan. Thank yeah, you, the Puritan era. times. That yes. is, I don't get why they, that's the next time you go to. I agree. And, and the like, sixth one is like the far f future. So, yeah, I don't know why, why that's the time. But we do know, Justin that that issue has art by Fraser Irving. And it's spooky. And we are excited to get to that. Okay, well, listen, I'm going to read an email from Chris Murphy. Everybody, buckle oh, yeah. up, because we know he brings it. We know, oh, yeah, we know yeah. Chris brings it. Hello, all. Thank you for your thoughtful discussion on Batman 700. Fun, as always. As with most things in the Bat Epic, if something seems to come out of nowhere, it's usually from the deep past. With that in mind, I'd like to offer the following. For starters, Dr. Carter Nichols is for sure a good guy. Okay. Justin and I were worried he was not. Roman and Je or, uh, Josh. Oh, I was going to say Josh. I would love to hear his thoughts on the stag. Uh, Wait, who's Carter Nichols? He was the doctor that oh, the it, time he's murdered. Yeah, yeah. Okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. I was hoping him. He's one of Batman's oldest allies, first appearing in Batman 24 in 1944. His earliest yeah. stories from uh, frame him more as an experimental hypnotist than anything else. Eventually, the more typical scientist-y characteristic comes along in Batman 43, but he is totally a good guy and serves as a handy way for B&R to time travel, and we will see him, we'll be seeing him again in the Morrison Bat Epic. Awesome. Cool. I Thank didn't you. remember that. Love yeah, to hear that, sure. and I, it makes sense why he was you know, sort of plucked from time in 700. The Batman and Robin of Year 3000 is another deep cut from the Bat Archive seen in, only once in Batman 26 of 1944. The story goes like this. Earth is attacked by Fura, the warlord of Saturn and his Saturnian army, Justin. Earth yeah. is subdivided into concentration camps. Yes, that's the language used. Where its writers, poets, and philosophers are held as political prisoners. While scavenging the landscape for anything usable, a strapping muscle man named Bane and his young friend, Ricky, and his young friend Ricky, find a time capsule <laughs> from 1939. Bane and Ricky. Yeah. That's interesting. What year? In 1944, that was written, and they had a character named Bane. Um, wow. Amongst its contents, the duo find a film which teaches them to be the brave colonialists who fought off British oppression in the 1770s, the adventures of Batman and Robin, inspired... Oh, Brain. Sorry, I think there was maybe... I just got... I, I filled the word Bane in, but it says Brain here. Um, or maybe there's a typo. Who knows? When the, when the day is won, Brain reveals that his full name is Bruce Wayne and that he is the 20th century generation uh, version of that character. Sorry, I'm stumbling some words here, Chris. You're very eloquent. I'm not. I'm afraid I'm stumped on the Batman of 3050. Chris Murphy's been stumped. Aha. I love it. Welcome to the <laughs> club, Chris. Be one with us. I'm afraid I'm stumped on the Batman of 3050. The closest future timeline I can come up with is the Batman of 3051, also a guy named Brain, but different from the first. B-R-A-N-E. 
He appeared in Batman 67 and 51 and Detective Comics 216 and 55. There are no story elements in either issue that jive, a Roman word, with that mm-hmm. with what Morrison gives us in 700. So I'm not convinced that this is him, but it's the closest I could come up with. All in all, Batman 700 is definitive proof that Batman and Robin will never die. That's the running theme in the entire epic, and it is beautifully summed up in this single issue. Chris Murphy, Bennington, VT. What's for, Vermont, right? Vermont. Okay. Yeah. Chris, Vermin. you rule. I love having someone who can mention all these dates and first appearance references. It's awesome. Oh, yeah. um, it would be, yeah, that, that's, that's awesome. And I, I really love when you send those letters in. Now, I'm going to see if this audio message from Will Elmer works. I'm going to hold it up to my mic here. If it doesn't, I'll just post edit it in for everybody else. But um, Hey, bad boys. Hope you guys are doing well. So listen, I've been trying to read issue by issue, podcast by podcast, week by week, along with you guys. And something happened in the last few days. I just, I can't do it anymore because I got completely swept away with the story and just cranked through this volume two omnibus. And wow, incredible stuff. I'm, I'm absolutely in love with it. So in love with it that it makes reading some of the current Batman issues that are coming out um basically impossible to read but that's neither <laughs> yep. here nor there um so in final crisis batman uses a gun to stop dark side um and obviously we know that batman has made a solemn vow never to use guns not to know never to kill uh, it's not really clear if batman kills dark side or not uh, i'm still not sure about that but um he uses a gun and it's basically justified just by batman saying oh, I made a solemn vow to never use a gun, but I'm going to use one right now to stop you. And I don't know, like, it kind of felt like, you know, with how incredible the writing is and how elaborate the story is, it felt like a little bit of a, a cop-out for Batman, just to just, for Batman to just say, I'm using a gun to stop you. Um, is it all right because it's, you know, dark side and it's the end of the world and all of that? But, um, you know, Batman's always found a way to solve these problems and to never have to use a gun. Why is this one time um, he has to use a gun? I don't know. That just, it hasn't sat, sat with me very well. And I'm really curious to hear your guys' take on, you know, why is it acceptable for Batman to use a gun in this situation? Did you guys wrestle with that at all the, the same way? I know that it's a, you know, it's a magic time bullet or whatever, but at the end of the day, it's, it's still a gun and Batman made a vow and it felt like they could have, there could have been a million ways that he could have um, accomplished it. I'm not a writer, though. I'm, I'm, I'm no good at this stuff. So I'm just here to enjoy some Batman books, but it just doesn't make a lot of sense to me. And I'm curious to hear your guys' take. Anyway, I've gone on way too long. I've got more questions about RIP and Final Crisis and how it ties into the rest of this volume, but I will save those for next time. Appreciate all you guys do, and I hope to talk to you soon. Awesome question awesome person everyone can always do that exact same thing as well you can just record an audio memo on your phone or or however you want to do it and email it to us at batman in quarantine it's a good question i think that it is something that is supposed to be wrestled with and i think that the fact that batman uses a gun is sort of snake eating its tail tied into the fact that he quote unquote dies there i think that I think that it was the, the yeah, it was the end of Batman. It was the, you know, it, it was the ultimate compromise. And 
I also think that because the bullet had been fired backwards through time and had, you know, killed Orion, I also, I also think that like some agency or causality was removed. And at some point you're fulfilling a thing that's going to happen in that kind of happens. Yeah, exactly. Within time travel. What do you two think? I agree with what you said. And also, and also I think it is supposed to be wrestled with though. I think there's an element of, it's also more than a gun. It's, it's um, on a meta level. It's every weapon that's in every story throughout time where Batman, like Batman refers to it in his interior monologue that, you know, fight, you know, confronting the wolf, confronting the dragon, confronting whatever tyrant, it could be a sword, a gun, um, fist. So in that kind of way, I mean, that's a little bit of a cop out, but it's also kind of like, well, symbolically, it's not just a gun. And it is okay in this once in a lifetime exception, as Batman says. Though I don't actually see him fire it. I'm looking at it definitely does in the 701, 702s. Like, oh, we see it. Okay. Um, I thought we saw it in Final Crisis, but my memory could be wrong. Sorry, Justin, what? Oh, I was going to go off Roman with, you know, echo what you said. is like the only thing, you know, it's not... The only thing that can de- destroy the tyrannical use of power isn't removing power. It's the ethical use of power. Like, power can't, de- you know... So I think that that is, like, Batman kind of... Well, first, I'll start with I initially hated it like it drove me insane because Batman to me is nothing but like a few interlocking moral codes that creates Batman and that doesn't compromise. Yeah. That doesn't compromise. And so when I first read this, the first couple of times, it was like a toothache. Like every time I remembered that it was referenced, it like drove me insane. It cheapened the whole run for me at times. It used to really bother me. I think the like um, really like mechanically, um reductionist kind of justification is like this is the end of reality it isn't about personal beings it's about you know a higher morality like dark side is the end of everything and so bruce has to like you know work on a a more than human level of morality and so i think that that oh go ahead sorry well just like like you just said it, it is the end of everything it's the end of reality. It's also the end of the idea of Batman. So to... Right. I think it's kind of committing suicide in a way. Yeah. And, you know, on a sort of just like mechanical plot level, like they also say like you can't really kill a new god except for with a new god weapon. And like Darkseid is a living idea that like the only new god weapon that we had is the gun of the Radeon bullet. Like it's the only way to kill a new God, which is how Orion died. So yeah, it is that, that great, like, you know, great compromise, suicide, uh, end of all things. Like it is. And like, I think restart too. Yeah. And I just, I also really like the way you worded that like tyrannical power can only be, you know, taken down with ethical use of power. And I do, it doesn't, I think it's supposed to be challenging and it is challenging. And I love that Justin hated it and has, you know, come to maybe not hate it or it's, it's, it's an interesting thing, but I don't think it's a coincidence that it's the act that immediately precedes the quote unquote death of Batman. Right. Yeah. And, and Batman says in his monologue there, it, it's, I think using, he doesn't say it this way, but I think using that new God gun, um, he talks about creating a new myth of my own. 
where ultimate evil turns its gaze on humanity and humanity gazes right back and says, gotcha. And right after that is when he's hit by the Omega sanction. So it's like, wait a minute, was this all part of Batman's plan in a way? He made this plan up on the slot on the slide to take out dark side by letting himself being take out, taken out. This is goes into my larger theory of that. I think that Dr. Hurt, is like a localized manifestation of dark side and what we mean by the devil is a way that we talk about dark side mm-hmm. and i think that i have no like datum to give you for this thesis but i think that batman in his planning ability knows that he will fight the manifestation of dark side again and that he's not killing this idea forever but he's stopping it from winning now mm-hmm. and the battle will wage on because he knows he's going to get hit by the omega sanction in some way, he knows he'll face this evil again. And what we see as Dr. Hurt emerges again is another manifestation, another tendril of what Darkseid ultimately is, which is the kind of highest manifestation of cosmic evil. And so I feel like Batman like, is like, I'm stopping the universe for ending now, and I will pay and atone with the Omega Sanction by mm-hmm. using my gun. Like he's, he's atoning for it through the return of Bruce Wayne and ultimately knows that this battle never ends batman and robin never dies but either does good myriad ways yeah um yeah there's there's kind of a in a way there's kind of a metaphorical he used this gun to to fill in the hole in things oh good notes everyone listen we've got a schedule to keep though so you can all get a hold of us at batmanandquarantine.com send us an email send us an audio recording would love Love it um we're excited ancestor to talk to everybody box. about the yeah, ancestor is that what it's called oh. yeah i just saw the panel okay, it's cool, the ancestor cool. that's box. my favorite box <laughs> yeah that's an awesome one um but uh we look forward to talking to everybody soon we'll see everybody on friday for batman and robin number 11 and thank you both for being here and i love forget it. what i was gonna say but you know what doesn't matter i would love thank you for the questions that is so much fun um my favorite, our, part. favorite part well there's a lot of good stuff, though. Yeah. Love just staring at your cute faces. All right, well, on behalf of Roman's cute face and Justin's cute face, I'm Jeff. We're Batman in Quarantine, and we'll see you all next Friday, this Friday, two days from now, for episode 38, 9? I don't know. I said one at the beginning of the end. Thank, thank <laughs> you. Numbers don't stay in my brain. See y'all.